Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, the educational system has not failed me. There is no river in Atlanta. Thank you very much to the control room for pulling up the map. Although Peter has identified some rivers in the area, including the Chattahoochee, which is Alan Jackson once noted way down yonder. Yeah, Yeah, 15 to 20 miles north is the Chattahoochee River. And up near Flowery Branch, where the Falcons are 45 minutes northeast of downtown Atlanta is a gigantic lake, Lake Lanier. So anyway, um, for what it's worth, F-W-I-W. That's fine. You, you interrupted my flow. As I was saying, way down yonder on the Chattahoochee, it gets hotter than a hoochie coochie. Alan Jackson. At some point in the last 30 years. Okay, see. so here comes Bill Belichick back to Atlanta for the second time reportedly. And Peter, what struck me as more significant than the news yesterday, and I think it first came from Ian Rappaport of NFL Media that Bill Belichick would interview a second time with the Falcons, it's that the first meeting was one-on-one, Hall and Oates. One-on-one, I want to play that game tonight. If we're going to quote lyrics, let's keep it going. So Arthur Blank and Bill Belichick Together alone. That's significant to me because, Peter, I think one of the big impediments in Atlanta, and we may have talked about this last week, Rich McKay. Bill Belichick isn't going to want Rich McKay messing around with football operations. And Rich McKay has managed to survive in that organization for like 20 years now. Different roles, different titles, different duties. The right-hand man for Arthur Blank, he was sitting there with him at the press conference last Monday after they fired Arthur Smith. Terry Fontenot, nowhere to be seen. There's Rich McKay with Arthur Blank. The fact that Rich McKay wasn't in the room reportedly, if accurate, with Arthur Blank and Bill Belichick says a lot. And it tells me that Belichick went in there and told Arthur Blank, this is what's going to take if you want to hire me. And the fact that a second interview is happening implies that Arthur Blank is fine with whatever terms Bill Belichick outlined in that one-on-one meeting. You know, I understand and I've heard that for some reason there may be friction between Belichick and McKay. It could be because over the years, Rich McKay has been a very powerful member of the competition committee. Bill Belichick, it wouldn't matter if George Hallis ran the competition committee. Uh, Bill Belichick has had some problems with things the competition committee has proposed over the years. Maybe that's it. I have no idea. But I do think that Rich McKay, from my understanding of how this organization has worked, has had very little uh, authority over the football side of the building in the last, you know, say three years, uh, two years, three years, whatever. And he's been moved to much more of a business side job in the organization. Now, as to why Terry Fontenot was not sitting there with Arthur Blank, I thought that was odd to put it mildly. I think you would want one of your football people up there 
Uh, and I don't know why that was. I, I didn't. I didn't think it was the right tone to not have Terry Fontenot up there. And so you know, we'll see what happens. But if, if I mean, I I will. I would be surprised because look, Mike. I, I shouldn't say really surprised. A little surprised. I I would really be curious. The one thing above all other things. If I was sitting down with Arthur Blank and anybody with that organization, I would say, we don't have a quarterback. What are we going to do about that? Are we going to go throw $100 million over two years at Kirk Cousins? Are we going to move heaven and earth to trade up in the draft uh, from number eight to try to get the first, second, or third best quarterback? And what are our plans at quarterback? Because honestly, Mike, when you think about it, he needs to coach minimum two years to break Don Shula's record. And Bill can say whatever he wants. I'm not coming back to break Shula's record. I'm about building this team. I'm this, I'm that. And he really isn't consciously, quote, chasing Shula's record. But you've got to be totally naive. This is a guy who is the most history-aware coach I have ever met covering the NFL. In fact, he gave it to the Naval Academy, but Bill Belichick, 20 years ago, owned the largest football library in the world, the largest library of football books. I saw the library 20 years ago at his home in suburban Boston. It was huge. It was massive. All these football books, everything you could imagine, going way back. And then he <laughs> he ended up giving it to the Naval Academy. But I think the one thing to keep in mind about all this is that Belichick, I'm sure, has addressed the most important issues as he sees them with the Falcons. And my biggest question for Arthur Blank and for the Falcons is what are you going to do about personnel? And if you hand the keys to the draft to Bill Belichick, you are making a terrible mistake. All you got to do is look at his recent drafts. Look at his recent first rounders. His recent first rounders are so abominable. You, you just, you know, time and time again, you look at him year after year, his first rounders over like the last 10 drafts have either been abject failures or very marginal players. Uh, I'd say with the exception of Christian Barmore. Um, but the bottom, the bottom line in all this is there's probably a deal to be made here, but I think each side has to go in with its eyes open. Well, and the fact that and again, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. There's always stuff going on behind the scenes, though. If there is interest elsewhere in Bill Belichick, that could get Arthur Blank to make commitments by way of power or whatever to let him do whatever he wants in order to get him. Because even with the flaws, the quality of the coaching on game day, the preparation, the detail, the ability to craft X's and O's unlike anyone who's ever coached in the NFL, that may be enough for Arthur Blank to say, here are the keys do whatever you want, just go out there and do the things that you did in New England. Of course, it starts with a quarterback. And you've mentioned a couple of times Kirk Cousins as a possible candidate to join Bill Belichick. And you got to be, you know, ready to deal with Bill Belichick if you're a quarterback because he can be he can be a little rough around the edges. He can coach you a little hard. He'll call you out in front of the room when uh, the the players gather to start the season to the dismay and surprise of people like Randy Moss and Chad Ochocinco in the past. Here's a recent quote from Kirk Cousins. He did a little media car wash apparently this week. I'm still waiting for our invitation for that, but that's another issue altogether. He told CBS Sports of playing with Bill Belichick, I'm not going to turn down an opportunity to play for a future Hall of Fame coach. That's Kirk Cousins. So the Falcons come calling. And Bill Belichick's the head coach. Looks like Kirk Cousins may be going to Atlanta, Peter. I mean, we'll see. 
But I think Cousins' preference would be to stay in Minnesota. I think he likes it there. His family likes it there. He likes Kevin O'Connell. But I think if I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm not signing a one-year deal. I'm not coming back one year, $45 million. I I want the assurance of a second year as I, I'm not in, a, in any way in a prove-it mode. People might say, well, wait a second. He tore his Achilles. Come on. Uh, you know, and again, I'm not saying it's impossible to tear your Achilles again. Of course it is. But it's also possible to tear your Achilles for the first time. So I, I don't think that that should in any way stand in the way of anybody going after Kirk Cousins. And this year, Mike, I think Kirk Cousins has gone a long way toward dispelling or at least, you know, railing against the mode of thought that Kirk Cousins has a ceiling and it's not a Super Bowl ceiling. I don't know what his ceiling is right now, but I thought early this year, you know, until he got hurt, I was highly impressed with what he did with a team that was young and growing and quite frankly injured at one of its most important positions at times. So to me, I think, he, hey, look, I think he'd be a great match with Belichick. And the last thing I would say is, remember how Belichick, Randy Moss and Dante Stallworth told this story when they both got to the team in 2007. Remember how they're sitting in their first team meeting in a May mini camp and Belichick sort of sets the stage. They're coming off a year where they lost in the playoffs and and uh, Randy Moss and Dante Stallworth are sitting there and they are shocked. Belichick is up there talking about Johnny Foxborough, you know, uh, denigrating Tom Brady, saying, you can't make a throw like this. And it was Belichick's way of telling everybody in the room, there are no sacred cows in this room, none. And Kirk Cousins, I believe, is absolutely totally fine with that and will be fine with that and can be and wants to be coached hard. So I, I personally, Mike, if the, if the Minnesota Vikings say to Kirk Cousins, hey, one year 45, we're not willing to go longer, if I were him, absolutely unequivocally, I would go. And by the way, his wife is from Atlanta. And they spent a lot of every offseason in Atlanta with uh, the grandparents of his children. So anyway, I don't know what that's worth. Just wanted to throw it in. Well, and if I'm Kirk Cousins, I also want to see who the offensive coordinator is. Because in the event it's Matt Patricia, that might be a factor in my final decision-making. And I say that well, half-jokingly. It's not going to be Matt Patricia. Uh, might be Josh McDaniels. Who wouldn't want to be coached by the guy? And look, everybody can laugh at Josh McDaniels, but uh, you know Tom Brady loved Josh McDaniels. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, and I'm just, I was, I was making kind of a joke, but the reality is there's a chance that Bill Belichick, oh, okay. after everything that happened in 2022, still wanted to bring Patricia back to be the offensive coordinator in 2023, despite the debacle that happened with the Patriots and Mac Jones. Let's take a break. For those of you who have been waiting patiently for us to pivot to the actual game action this weekend, that happens next with the two AFC division around games under the microscope. PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Yeah, we've grown in, in uh, most of the areas. Um, I think at that point we weren't really identified as who we are now, you know, and uh, we've grown in, in a lot of aspects. Um, a lot of more experience up front now, you know, uh, both offensively, defensively, and special teams. So I think uh, we've grown in a lot of places. C.J. Stroud, quarterback of the Houston Texans, rookie of the year most likely, already three touchdown passes in his postseason career as a rookie, too short of setting the all-time record, breaking the record currently held by Mark Sanchez, if you didn't know that one. That was a topic of a trivia question yesterday. Anyway, C.J. Stroud that is cra- looking that's great crazy. in the season. That is crazy. <laughs> Mark Sanchez. Well, you know, and Sanchez had four playoff wins his first two seasons on the road. Four road playoff wins. I think yeah. that was the all-time yeah. record for quarterback road playoff wins, rookie, first year, second year, whatever. Okay, so <laughs> we've seen basically two straight playoff games for the Indianapolis Colts because Week 18 was de facto playoff game, not Indianapolis Colts, Houston Texans. They had to play the Indianapolis Colts in Indy. That's why my brain misfired on that one. Week 18 to even get in. Then they have the Browns come to town. They completely destroy them, and the reward for that is you go to Baltimore and you take on the number one seed. But, you know, Peter, I'm sure Jim, uh, John Harbaugh – I'm getting Harbaugh's mixed up too in my brain today. John Harbaugh fully ready for this – because they've been there, done that. They've been caught flat-footed as the one seed that had the week off, that took the foot off the gas the final week of the regular season and got beaten at home by the Tennessee Titans. This still isn't going to be easy. Even if you're fully prepared for it, the Texans have something special going on. And they may not be ready to take the next step, but you know it's fair to ask whether the Ravens are ready to take the next step because, lo and behold, C.J. Stroud and Lamar Jackson – have the same number of postseason wins and also the same number of postseason touchdown passes. Three touchdown passes, one postseason win. That's the one thing Stroud and Lamar Jackson have in common. You know how sometimes, Mike, what you don't know and you don't realize how big a moment this is, so you just go out and play like you've always played. That's really the impression I get from C.J. Stroud. I went to the Houston game last week, and afterwards I stood with him in the tunnel outside the uh, the interview room for a few minutes, and I asked him, quite honestly, I said, you know, the only other time I've really had a one-on-one like this with you is after the draft when I asked you all about the S2 test, this cognitive test that is supposed to foretell how players are going to produce under pressure and how well they're going to be able to diagnose what the opposition is going to do to them and all that and you obviously got that horrible grade in that I said does what has happened this season does what has happened today against the number one defense in the NFL do you take any particular pride in that after what has happened with the S2 test? And he said, I'm too blessed to stress. And he said, I, I use the negativity for motivation. Of course I do. But the only thing that is important to me, playing for my teammates, playing for God, playing for my family. And he just, and, and I have to tell you, Mike, nothing in his eyes told me any different that he is angry, he is going to try to stick it up at somebody's rear end. He's 22 years old. He's the leader of an NFL team. He loves it, and he's not stressing about anything. And that's why I think 
This is a dangerous team going into Baltimore, playing really well at the end of the year and playing really well in a playoff game where they dismantled the Cleveland Browns. And the Texans made their regular season debut in 2023 in Baltimore. 25 to 9 was the final score of the game. The Ravens won, the Texans lost, but that game was not 25 to 9. It didn't feel as you watched it like it was a 16-point margin. It was closer than expected for a while because entering the season we just thought the Texans were going to continue to be what the Texans have been how can you turn it around dramatically in one off season when they've been the most dysfunctional team in the NFL for multiple years the Ravens have high hopes they're breaking in the new offense now both teams are dramatically different than they were back then but the point is when you see 25 to 9 folks don't be fooled into thinking it was a blowout it was a it was a closer game than the score would suggest and nine and a half when I see that line for this game I'm like that's just too much. I, I'm not I'm not ready to go out on a limb and say that the one seed in either conference is going to lose this weekend, but we've seen this movie before. We see what happens when the team that hasn't played for two weeks and possibly didn't put its best effort out there in the regular season finale because it didn't need to, taking on a team that had to win week 18, that had to win, obviously, wild card round, that comes in feeling confident. I We've seen it. We've seen it. The Ravens witnessed it. I think the fact the Ravens witnessed it four years ago should be enough of a warning to have them ready. Even if they are ready, though, Peter, what I've seen from C.J. Stroud, and we haven't seen much of him in a standalone setting. It's been lost in the cluster of 1 o'clock Eastern games. But it's pretty damn spectacular, and it's amazing how quickly he's figured it out. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think this is a very dangerous game for the Ravens. And this is a, an opportunity, a mandate for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense to prove that they can win at this level. We know they can win in the regular season. They have to show they can win in a setting like this. Yeah, the pressure is on Lamar Jackson. If you, know, if, if you look at these four games this weekend, um, whether he feels it, whether he talks about it, whatever, it, it's, it's there. Um, and the fact is, even though he hasn't played a playoff game in three years, uh, the fact is he's played four playoff games in his career. He's won one, and he's averaged 13 points a game in those four games. So it's clear, you know, he is the number one seed. Now, the one difference <coughs> this year is very simple. He has far more receiving talent, tight end talent, than he's had in any other year that any other team that he's ever taken to the playoffs. So theoretically, there should be nothing standing in the way of Lamar Jackson, of you know, in fulfilling his, whatever you'd call it, his playoff destiny. But he, he's got all the tools that he hasn't had before. So it's a, it's a huge game for Lamar Jackson. And, you know, it's, again, I'll just emphasize, I don't think, the Houston Texans come in thinking, oh, my God, we're going in to play the number one seed, and, oh, my God, we got to be tight. I, I don't think you're going to see a tight team on, on Saturday in Baltimore. And we've seen it time and again. House money, nothing to lose. Nobody expects anything from us. We're supposed to lose. All the ingredients are there for the Texans to have the perfect mindset to go in and pull an upset, and all the ingredients are there for the Ravens to be tight for the Ravens to be nervous, for the Ravens to be hyper-aware of the reality that that special season you've put together can evaporate just like that. And it can happen the same way it happened for them on Christmas night in San Francisco. A bounce of the ball this way versus that way makes all the difference and sets the tone. And all of a sudden, the Texans are up seven because there was a crazy bounce and a guy grabbed it and ran it in for a touchdown, and the Texans are up. And then, uh uh-oh, then they're up again. And before you know it, you've got that feeling that everything we've worked for is evaporating in this window on a Saturday afternoon. So, again, I've picked the Ravens to win. I haven't picked them to cover. I think the Texans are going to keep it close, and I'm not going to be shocked if they shock the world, as we've seen other teams do to the one seed in the divisional round. All right, no one seed for either the Bills or the Chiefs, but a rematch of what has recently been compelling 
playoff action. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, the closest thing we've seen to Tom Brady and Peyton Manning since they both retired. They get together in Buffalo. First time they face off in the postseason in <clears throat> Buffalo. Only the second time they're playing in Buffalo in their six prior starts against each other. The last time in Buffalo was during the COVID year with no fans in the stand. So it's going to be a very different experience for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. First time ever Patrick Mahomes goes on the road in the playoffs, Peter. I feel like Mahomes is impervious to all that stuff. I almost feel like the adversity strengthens him. But still, this is new. Just like playing in below zero weather was new. Playing in the snow against the Colts in early 2019 was new. He just seems to react to new very effortlessly, seamlessly, and naturally. And he just goes and does his thing. Yeah, I don't think the home field is going to matter at all. Just the same way that if Josh Allen were playing in Kansas City, I don't think that would matter either. Both of these quarterbacks, to me, have become impervious to things like playing on the road. And I think the way I look at this is these guys have met six times. Each has won three. There's a four-point difference when you add up the total points scored by each team. And so this is a coin flip of a game. And I think the two things that I think about in this game, number one, the Buffalo Bills on defense are a mash unit. And they have had so many injuries, you know, going back to obviously Tredavious White and, and Matt Milano They had so many injuries. And you saw what happened last weekend when the Miami Dolphins were without their four best pass rushers. Now, they signed some emergency pass rushers, you know, to play in the game, but they were without their four best pass rushers coming into that game. And similarly, this week, the Bills on defense are going to be missing some big pieces. Uh, to their puzzle, and some other guys are going to be playing hurt. So I think that's one part of it. And the other part of it is, obviously, we see how Rasheed Rice has become more and more comfortable as Patrick Mahomes' key guy, you know, catching balls for 130 yards last week. You know what I found interesting about that, Mike? This is Rasheed Rice, who was born in Texas, grew up in Texas, went to high school in Texas, went to college in Texas, and now he goes in his rookie year in the NFL and he plays in a game where it's 30 below zero wind chill and he has his best game in the NFL. I don't know. Sometimes you just have to say, go figure. So I I like this game a lot. And, and look, I don't necessarily think Kansas City is going to win. I just think right now that I think that some of the things for Buffalo are going to be very hard to overcome. Yeah, and at least the weather won't be an issue. Now they are calling again for snow shovelers at $20 an hour. I think they need to maybe increase the pay a little bit to get enough people out there to actually, you know, shovel the snow out of the stands. But last week's snow wasn't removed. There was another storm this week. That but the forecast for <clears throat> Sunday Roughly similar to what we saw on Monday night. It'll be a clear field. It'll be a little windy. It won't affect these two quarterbacks. It'll be a great matchup, hopefully, between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Right down to the wire. Hopefully, the Bills won't leave 13 seconds on the clock if they have the lead late. Hopefully, Kadarius Toney, if he plays, won't be lined up offside. Nobody else will be lined up offside to wipe out what would be a great play. There's a lot of history there. And the next chapter comes on Sunday night. Let's take a break. When we come back, the NFC Games for the divisional round. More PFT Live right after this. I feel like it's a little different, you know, just last year, you know, still trying to find my way in a sense. Um, You know, I got thrown in towards the end of the year. And and so every single week I was, you know, still trying to play good and and learn, you know, who I was as a quarterback and, and obviously get more familiar with playing within the system. So, those are all things that were sort of on my plate last year and, and then um, obviously trying to win every single week and get this team to the to the end. Um, and so now, I guess this year, just being more familiar with the offense, who I am and all that, um, it's, a little, it's a little different. Brock Purdy, 49ers quarterback, 
Rookie last year, last pick in the draft, if you haven't heard, this time around, wire-to-wire starter, healthy all year. Playoffs derailed last year in the NFC Championship in that moment where he was hit in the elbow by Hassan Reddick, and that was that for the 49ers. This time around, the number one seed, they will play all their games at home, and they welcome in, for the first time ever, it's NFL history, the one seed and the seven seed playing. It's only the fourth <coughs> or fifth year of doing this, but still, the seven seed finally won. They go to take on the one seed, the Packers and the 49ers. 49ers have, have kind of owned the Packers in the postseason lately, but boy, this Packers team, Peter, they, uh, they came on strong, and they just seem to keep getting stronger all the time. Mike, the most amazing thing about any team in the playoffs right now is the following factoid. The Green Bay Packers on their active roster have nine pass catchers, six wide receivers, three tight ends. 21 months ago, zero of the nine were members of the Green Bay Packers. Hmm. They added two in 2022, seven in 2023 and you watch right now this quarterback Jordan Love with a bunch of guys who look like they're pickup guys who he just got off the intramural team and you watch and you see that over the last nine games Jordan Love has 21 touchdown passes one interception I think the Jordan Love story is fantastic I think the Brian Gutekunst story is also fantastic. That I'll never forget on draft weekend when he picked Jordan Love and risked really angering a cantankerous Aaron Rodgers. I'll never forget that he said, hey, listen. I said, what if Aaron Rodgers continues to be great? He goes, well, that'll be good for the Packers. Brian Gutekunst never stressed about what was going to happen by bringing in another quarterback on his team to take the place eventually of the great quarterback already on his team. And that is one of the reasons why, in my opinion, in my opinion, Ron Wolf, Ted Thompson, uh, Brian Gutekunst, and to a lesser degree, John Schneider, who was on that staff with them for a long time, they all learned from Ron Wolf. You know what it's about, Mike? It's about the team, the team, the team. And don't worry about it. We'll figure out how to how to you know walk that tightrope of not ticking off the big stars. But Brian Gutekunst deserves a lot of credit for adding seven receivers to this team this year. And who knows, Mike? They pick Bo Melton. Off the Seattle practice squad, Bo Melton could be a big star this weekend. You just don't know. That is why this is a strong team right now. The San Francisco 49ers have no idea this weekend who's going to be the focus of the Green Bay offense. And that what make that's what makes them, quite frankly, dangerous. And one quick note, I've been saying this all week about Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. He's been there five years now. I think he's underappreciated what he did to run interference between Aaron Rodgers and the front office when it was clear that Rodgers had plenty of grievances about the front office was masterful. He knew how to tiptoe around the delicate genius on issues like how much freedom he would have at the line of scrimmage to change plays. I just think that because he's kind of understated, he's not loud, he's not a dynamic presence in the media – I think Matt LaFleur has done a spectacular job with the Packers. And to take Jordan Love, yes, he run has. the offense the way that LaFleur has always wanted to run it. And now here we go. I, you know, they win this game. And who, again, 49ers are nine and a half point favorites. But if they would pull this off after doing what they did last weekend in Dallas, here we go. Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. He'd still have a lot to do to get to where those guys were. But he'd be off to a better start than either of them were. If he he's already off to a better start as it relates to postseason success, he could go even farther than anyone ever would have imagined if they would win this game. All right, Sunday, NBC. Coverage begins 2 o'clock on NBC and on Peacock with the one-hour pregame show in advance of the 3 o'clock kickoff. Buccaneers and Lions, an old NFC Central fight 
because the Bucks were in that division for a long time before they realigned in 2002. The Bucks feeling very confident, feeling very loose. Same dynamic as what the Texans or the Packers might have. The Lions getting that second home game in the postseason after the rollicking win over the Rams. This one has the potential. If the Bucks continue to do what they did on Monday night offensively, this one has the potential to be a great game down to the wire, just like Rams-Lions was, Peter. No question about it. One of the things that I really appreciate about the Bucks is that no matter what anybody has said, and I have been critical of Baker Mayfield at times in the past, they basically have taken a bunch of uh, some anyway, disparate pieces and, you know, like Baker Mayfield. And look, Mike, in the last, what, three years, two years, you know, he'd been set aside by the Cleveland Browns, the Carolina Panthers. The Rams could have been aggressive and tried to sign him this year as the possible successor uh, to Matthew Stafford. They could have, but chose not to. And so when I look at Uh, what has happened to this team offensively. This is a somewhere between competent and good offense right now. And I think also the guys, many of the guys on this team have played on very big stages, will not be intimidated. Same way Matthew Stafford wasn't intimidated Sunday night in Detroit. These guys won't be intimidated by the cacophonous Uh, atmosphere inside that place. As I wrote in my column this week, Mike, you know, late in the fourth quarter when the Rams were mounting a comeback and trying to get in position to kick a potential game-winning field goal, the uh, decibel counter in the stadium registered 118. And I looked that up online, and 118 to 120 decibels is what a 737 sounds like taking off if you're standing on the side of the runway listening to it. So this was an insane atmosphere, and I don't think Baker Mayfield and his teammates are going to be that intimidated by it. It is going to be fun to see how it all plays out. you got a couple of quarterbacks with a chip on their shoulder. Jared Goff discarded by the Rams. Baker Mayfield passed around like a hot potato last year. They both apparently have found their long-term homes, and it'll be great to see them square off. Unfortunately, only one can advance. You'll see it on NBC and Peacock on Sunday. Coverage again begins at 2 o'clock Eastern. We'll take a break. When we return, Mike Tomlin meeting with reporters for the first time since the aftermath of the loss to the Bills in the postseason. And he was in a slightly better mood than he was, especially when the issue of his contract came up. More PFG Live right after this. Anyone? Mike, do you have a year left on your contract? In a little better mood today, man. Anybody got any contract questions? I'll say this. Um, I certainly could have handled uh, that situation better than I did, but I'll also say this. Um, I just believe there's a time and place for everything, and post-game press conferences are probably not the place uh, to address contract issues. Yes, I expect to be back, and I would imagine that those contract things are, are going to run their course, man. Um, Art and I have a really good, transparent relationship. We communicate um, continually, often. Um, I don't imagine it's going to be an issue, and I imagine it's going to get done in a, in a timely manner at the appropriate time. Um, but, you know, my mindset is to coach this football team, certainly. All right. Any more contract? Thank you. Have a good one. Mike Tomlin, yes, much more chipper on Thursday, his end-of-season press conference. I expect to be back. He reportedly told his players on Tuesday he will be back. Look, Peter, the wrinkle here, and he clearly didn't go too far down that path, but it's been reported, it's been discussed. For the first time in his career as head coach of the Steelers, he's entering the final year of his contract. They've never allowed that to happen before. And you hear, I hear all the time, the idea that the Steelers love him. They don't want to move on from him. They want him to stay. You know how they are, three coaches since 1969. 
why did you let it get to this point where he can see the end of the line, where he can see free agency, where he can act on the overtures that undoubtedly happen on a regular basis to Mike Tomlin's camp about whether or not he's going to be back in Pittsburgh, because if not, there's going to be other teams that want to hire him to be the head coach. And right now, everyone knows that there's at least contractual uncertainty why wouldn't one of these other teams pick up the phone and call Art Rooney and see if there's a way to get Mike Tomlin? I'm not saying that Rooney should do anything other than slam the phone down, but the phone call is free. So even though it feels resolved, until the contract's done, it's not resolved. Until the contract's done, he's in no different situation than Mike McCarthy. I got a factoid for you, Mike. Here's the factoid. Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin. Belichick in the four years since Tom Brady walked off campus never solved the quarterback situation and was 10 games under 500. Mike Tomlin in the two years since Ben Roethlisberger walked off campus similarly has not solved the quarterback situation and his three games over 500. And I always talk to the people who, as you know, bubbling underneath the surface. There's just a lot of people who are dying to get rid of Mike Tomlin because he hasn't won a playoff game in seven years. Very fair criticism. But these people, they want Tomlin out. They don't care if the team is coached by the janitor next year. They just want Tomlin out. And my response to that is very simple. And that is, it's hard to win in the NFL. And we have a situation here. It's not like Mike Tomlin has Dak Prescott and his three under 500. Mike Tomlin is playing with guys who've never proven themselves as quarterbacks in the NFL. And he's over 500 over a two-year period. And I get it that that doesn't include a playoff win. But the only way you get a playoff win is to get a quarterback. And it is incumbent on Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, and the Pittsburgh Steelers right now to do two things. Number one, to get an offensive coordinator in there who's not beholden to the way football used to be played, but who is beholden to taking the Steelers into the next generation of football. A guy maybe with some roots with the 49ers, maybe with some roots with the Rams. Mike Tomlin has great respect. I know this for Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. He's got to go steal one of their coaches now. That's number one. Number two, you can't run it back with Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, and a free agent from Chadron State. You can't do that. You've got to go out and get a quarterback who's going to give you a chance with a representative, fairly strong defense to come out in 2024 and compete at the highest level with the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Browns. Chadron State catching strays here on a Friday morning edition of PFT Live. Who would have had Chadron State on the bingo card for today? Um, As it relates to the offense, I really do wonder whether it's organizational. I wonder how high up the ladder it goes all the way to Art Rooney that they've been kind of meat and potatoes. We're going to play great defense. We're going to have a meat and potatoes offense, and we're going to win games. You're right. At some point, you've got to step into the 21st century and take advantage of the fact that the rules are skewed in favor of offense and go out there and get yourself a quarterback who throws it all over the place like they had in the younger Ben Roethlisberger days, but it has been a challenge in recent years for the Steelers. We're going to break. When we return, show me something for the divisional round. That draft is next on PFT Live. Look, I've always been a Baker fan from afar. I loved him when he was coming out. I tell this story. um, This, to me, said a lot about him. And I went and worked uh, Blake Andrews out when he was coming out of OU, they came out the same year, tight end. So I went out there. Well, his quarterback is Baker. Baker's going to throw for him. Well, Baker threw for every one of his guys that was coming out that year, and I think he'd already had two private workouts the two days prior, and he had one that afternoon, and I think the one the next day. So 
that just says a lot about the guy. There's no wonder why people uh, rally around him and follow him because he's that type of teammate, right? I mean, there's a lot of guys who wouldn't do that. Like, oh, i got to save my arm. I've got so-and-so club coming in. That wasn't him. So, um, you know, you can respect stuff like that. Dan Campbell maybe wishing that they had offered $4.5 million for 2023 for Baker Mayfield, although it's worked out fine with Jared Goff. But what a bargain Baker Mayfield was. What a steal. $4 million for one year. It'll be more than $4 million next year. All right, it's show me something time, Peter, as the divisional round approaches. There's only four games to choose from. Who do you want from those four games to show you something the most? Show me something Bobby Slowick. He's the offensive coordinator of the Houston Texans. He's the bell of the ball right now as far as coaching interviews go. He's got a long history with Kyle Shanahan. Now he has made a great offense out of just a bunch of stuff plus a great quarterback uh, in C.J. Stroud. And this week he goes and plays a rested defense that brings pressure from a lot of different places. This is not just putting Laramie Tunsil on Miles Garrett and, and stopping him. This is pressure that comes from everywhere on that defense. You've got to account for like five guys. So show me something, Bobby Slowick. Show me that you can stop the freight train defense of the Baltimore Ravens and score enough to beat the offense of the Baltimore Ravens. Show me something, Rashad White. If the Buccaneers' offense is going to work at all on Detroit, it needs to be able to run the ball at least to a decent extent. And 72 yards on 18 carries, four yards per carry average the other night by Rashad White was just enough to get the passing game going. You've got to be able to have some threat in the run game. The Lions decided after the 2022 season when their defense was horrible both as to the run in the past, that they're going to do what they can to take away the run. If Rashad White can muscle through, not necessarily move the chains, but just make it second and manageable, third and manageable, easier for the passing game to keep things going, it's going to be easier for the Buccaneers to keep up with the Lions because that's what this game is going to be about. Who can avoid getting to third and long? And Rashad White is going to be the key piece for the Bucs to help avoid Baker Mayfield facing third and long so show me something Rashad White show me four five or six yards on first down to make it easier for your offense to keep moving down the field show me something Isaiah Pacheco so in the ice station zebra game of last weekend Mike (laughs) when the Kansas City Chiefs held off the Miami Dolphins in Kansas City Isaiah Pacheco handled the ball on 25 of 75 offensive plays for Kansas City. And you can say, well, geez, he didn't even average four yards a carry. You know, in the immortal words of Bill Parcells, the most important stat isn't rushing yards, it's number of rushes. Kansas City had 34 rushes last weekend, and on those rushes, they occupied the, because of those rushes, they, they, They occupied the clock for 35 minutes. Mike, you go into Buffalo. Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, they've got to tell their players, stay in bounds. And Isaiah Pacheco, who runs hard, who runs violently, is going to be the leader of that pack. And the offense now runs almost equally through Mahomes and Pacheco. Show me something, Isaiah Pacheco. Show me that you can control a game in a great environment like Orchard Park, New York. Show me something, Joe Barry. There were times late in the regular season where hashtag fire Joe Barry was trending on Twitter. Packers fans have since warmed up to the defensive coordinator because the team has been winning games and the defense has gotten better. The ultimate test comes on Saturday night in Santa Clara because Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers, has a well-earned reputation for coming up with a specific game plan that is intended to exploit your weaknesses on defense and to put you in checkmate continuously. The challenge for Joe Barry, anticipate what the 49ers are going to do, understand where your weaknesses are, and get your guys ready to go out there 
and out-tough the 49ers. One of the reasons they're so great, beyond the incredible coaching and X's and O's, that willingness to roll out of bed and run through a wall. Barry has to have his defensive players ready to be the wall and to win those fights when George Kittle and Debo Samuel are heading straight for them. Joe Barry, show me something with that Packers defense. We'll take a break. We'll have another round when PFT Live concludes right after this. All right, there are the selections so far for the Show Me Something draft for Divisional Round Weekend. Peter King, round three, you're up. Show me something, Jordan Love. You know, your predecessor, Aaron Rodgers, and the Green Bay Packers, once Rodgers took the quarterback job in 2008, you know, Aaron Rodgers faced the uh, 49ers in the playoffs, you know, as well as his the previous quarterback, Brett Favre. And when I look at some of those games, fantastic, historic games, and Aaron Rodgers, especially this last time they met a couple of years ago, failed to get the Packers over the hump, particularly in Green Bay when the games were so big. And so to me, I look at this and say to Jordan Love, you've got a great opportunity, Jordan Love. Show me something in Santa Clara this weekend. Show me something, Dalvin Cook, a guy who was the difference maker in multiple games last season for the Vikings as they put together a surprisingly great record, joins the Jets, everything was positive, optimistic, and then he was basically MIA for most of the season. The Jets let him go late. The Ravens put him on the practice squad. Now Melvin Gordon is out. Dalvin Cook is on the roster. Let's see what he can do to help that very potent Ravens running game. That's it for today. Enjoy the games. We'll see you Monday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 